You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. I'm going to pepper myself. I'm walking. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And then you do something, it's like, oh, oh, snap. I ain't that good. You know, it's like, oh, snap. I'm not that, I'm not that cool. Uh, or, you know, you're, you're driving in your car, and you pull up next to somebody with a nicer car or whatever the case may be, and you're looking at them, you're like, yeah, let's just be real, though. I got this. You know, uh, so, you, you know, you just kind of like that. That's kind of how we are sometimes. Right. Can we be that way? Are any of you guys like that at all? You don't got to raise your hands, but you just got to like, you know, kind of nod or just kind of give me some type of signal that we're on the same page. If not, I know I got to repent. I know that this is probably one of my biggest sins. I got to repent. But if you don't know that and if you're feeling like oh, I can't really relate, then hopefully, you know, you can get something out of this lesson. But that's what we're going to be kind of talking about. We're going to be talking about this chip on your shoulder, this thing that we call glory. Right. We watch movies about it. We read books about it. We talk. We, we, we tell stories about it. The, 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 this novelty idea of glory. I just want some glory. Come on, man. You guys with me? Glory. We are here for a reason. You got to change your voice because you want the glory. You even got to use your hand. Glorious. We will go to Glory or victory, or death, or whatever the case may be. You know, we talk about this idea of glory. Women are, you guys are into it too. The fashion industry tells you, you've got to be glorious or fabulous. You can say whatever you want, you know. But the whole idea of glory, this idea, we bring it together, and, and, and we think of it as, man, you know, I am just so ready for glory. But when we read the Bible, it's really cool because we see this dialogue between man and God. And God always telling man, then they will know that I am the Lord. And then they will know that I am the Lord. And then they will know that I am the Lord. This idea of glory belongs to God. And whenever men try to take it, try to say, hey, look, look at me. I have glory. I am what I, I am because of me. That's when we're all messed up. That's when we start going downhill. That's when we start spiraling. Every time in the Bible you look at it, every time a man starts dreaming and starts saying, man, I am just so awesome. Look at me. I will ride my horse. You know, every time you see it, I'm riding with my skirt and my armor because that's what I do. You know, you see it in the the Bible. You look at it through history. Whenever it happens, it's downhill. Whenever someone starts taking glory and they start saying that I am glorious or they start just looking and just breathing it in, you know in that time, in the story, they are going downhill. It's about to go down. And God, you know, he kind of created us in such a way that when we start to, start to develop this sense of, hey, look, I am glory or I need the glory, we start going through this thing called an identity crisis. And I, uh, I got the, uh, the, the definition of what an identity crisis is. Uh, it's a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims or role in society. Now, this is just a, the regular identity crisis. Most people go through them uh, in their 20s or in their 30s. Uh, but we're talking about a spiritual identity crisis. This same sense of there's just this uncertainty and confusion and, and, and this, uh, this sense of being insecure. Are you guys with me? And this happens when we start to indulge in glory. We start taking glory on for ourselves. Turn your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 2, 
You know, today I hope the Bible study will hopefully guide you to your purpose in life. If you're feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing here, I don't know why I'm at the church, I don't know what's going on, hopefully this Bible study directs you, points you in the right direction for life. Now you guys may be asking, how does a little 25-year-old guy know what, what life's about? That's because I just read the Bible. All right? I, don't, I don't really know a lot, I just know what's in the Word of God, and that's what I base my, my stuff on to, today. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We look at this scripture and it tells us that, look, you were created. You were a part of God's handiwork. When he says that, hey, look, then they will know that I am the Lord. Then they will know that I was the one that created the earth. I am the reason the winds go that way and this way. I am the reason why the waves crash at this time. I am the reason why the sun rises and the moon rises. I am the reason. I'm the one that set the foundations of the earth in place. I am the creator, and you were created in Jesus to do good work, to do good things. And not just any good things. To do good things that were prepared for you in advance to do. That's why you're here. That's why we are all here. Is to do good work. Where do I point this thing? Here? Okay. John 17, verse 4. It says, I have brought you glory on earth. This is Jesus Christ talking, right? Jesus is saying, he says, I have brought you glory on earth. By completing the work you gave me to do. So how do we bring glory to God? By completing the work you gave me to do. Come on, you guys. guys, guys, Get with me. I need you. I need you guys. All right? I need you to engage with me. How do you give God the glory? By completing the work you give me to do, God. This is a really cool idea. And I think, um, you know, for the church, this is kind of our purpose. Our purpose is to do good work, to do what God gave us to do. The church is the one throughout history that puts their hands in the dirt, in the muck and the mire. They are the ones that reach out and touch the sick. They are the ones who rehab and heal those who are poor. The church is the one that does that. That's what you are here for today, is to reach down, is to go into the darkest places in society and shine the light. Go into the darkest tunnels and to say, hey, look, there is a light. There is a way out. And I am prepared to show it to you. I am ready. You know, uh, Ruben, in the last couple of weeks, he's been talking about this thing called Advent Conspiracy. There's four principles to Advent Conspiracy. Worship fully, give, uh, spend less, give more, and love all. You guys remember this? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, this whole thing, Advent Conspiracy, you know, Ruben, he brought it up to us as a church. He said, you know, maybe we should do this as a church. We should collect an offering and give it to a cause and be able to just join this, this, this cause here, Advent Conspiracy. And what we wanted to do is that we wanted to be able to collect some money and give it to a, 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 a tribe somewhere 
that does not have a sustainable amount of drinking water. And so just on the fly, we, we passed the trays, and, and it, it was crazy. I was blown away when I heard from Reuben uh, what we were able to collect. With your guys' generosity, we collected $5,993 as a church to help build a water well, to give sustainable drinking water to people who are in need. And the whole premise was that, we know what, for Christmas, we're just going to take one less gift, or we're going to spend a little less money, we're going to give it to this cause, and then we're going to see the outcomes of it. And I think that this is what the church is made for. This is us living out our purpose. I'm telling you, for gifts, gifts they, they do not amount to when we're able to, to later on see the, the looks on those little children's faces and those families' faces that were able to have clean drinking water. All because of what you guys have been raising, what you guys did. You know, I, I, I'm blown away. I'm inspired by the giving of Greater Long Beach. You guys are always known as a church that gives. This is our purpose. This is what we're here for. This is what we're to do. This thing is, like, tripping for me. Okay, sweet. You know, this is what we do. We bring glory to God by doing what he prepared us to do. This whole idea of bringing glory to God. Why? Because this is what God prepared for us to do. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. Of God. Even if it's something mundane or something that, that you know, you, you're just kind of going through the motions, you're going to work, this is your, you know, your, your, your 12th season at work, and you're just going through, you're going through, you gotta, you, we got to make sure that we are connecting to the reason we're doing what we're doing. And it's all for the glory of God. God prepared for us to do good work. And we must carry it out. Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, when we get this mixed up, when we start taking the good deeds and we say, you know what? I want, I want to do these good deeds so people can see me. They can see what I'm doing. This is when everything gets jacked up. Everything starts going downhill. Jesus says, hey, look, you want to do these good deeds and so people will be able to see them and praise God. You know why? The reason because we're, I don't, I don't know, I don't think that we were created for glory. We were not designed for glory. We were, in, in, we were designed to bring God glory. This whole idea of, of glory. I need it. No one will remember you because you will not be glorious. It's like that idea, it, it's not a real idea. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a figment of your imagination. It's something that they sell you. We, we go out and we pursue this glory, but we never find it. When in reality, we're supposed to reflect it. We're never supposed to take it in. It's like brushing your teeth. You're never supposed to swallow toothpaste. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to brush your teeth. We weren't designed to swallow toothpaste. We were designed to just go ahead and brush them and spit that stuff back out and rinse your mouth out too. 
I am now a dentist. <laughs> Lego. Let me put it a little bit more simple. God equals glory. We should point to God's glory. That's what we should do every step of the way. We should be pointing back to God's glory. Because when we do this, when we give God glory and we realize we are one with him, we gain power, you gain confidence, you gain love, and you gain this sense of peace that just overwhelms fear, that overwhelms the, the mundane things that are going on in your, in your day in, day out. This is what you gain when you give God the glory. You don't got to worry about putting it all in and, and trying to figure out where to put it. You don't, don't got to worry about the awkwardness of having the glory. All you have to worry about is saying, you know what, it's not even me, it's all God. Here, let, let, let me show you the light. Let me show you some more of what God can do. It's not me. It's all God. I'm not the reason why you're able to do this. It's, it's because of God. Don't lift me up. No, it's not me. It's God. That's taking everything and balancing it back to God. Someone says, man, dude, great job with that. Hey, it's all God. Thank you so much. I prepared. It's all God. And that is what we should be. You know, 2016, it's coming. It's going to be here in a couple days. This last year, you might have had some failures. You might have had some, some bad things happen to you. You might have had some crazy stuff go on. You might have had some incredible victories. Some of you might have gotten married. I didn't get that. I just didn't get it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hitting right now. I'm not hitting with you guys today. Some people might have gotten married this year. Some people moved on in different life stages. You know, you got a better job. Things may have happened. You got a raise. You know, all these things can happen. But 2016, you know, I, I bet that if you make it your aim in 2016 to give God all the glory in every situation, you will find yourself power. You will find confidence. You will find some love. And you will find peace. These four things you will absolutely find if, if all you do is give God the glory. You know, so we know what glory is. We know, how to, we know what we were created for and how we're supposed to do it. But I think there's a, there's a few things that we got to be aware of. As a church family, we got to be aware of some things when it comes to this idea and this concept of glory. All right? So, our thinking. It's crazy because... When you think about glory, you know, God designed us to reflect the glory. However, Satan, you know, he, he wants to take away God's glory. Satan, he wants to take away the power that you can get from God's glory. He wants to take away your confidence. He wants to tempt you in every way so you can forfeit what you have in God. And the first thing that he attacks is your thinking. In Luke 12, 17, 18, we read this passage last week about the guy with the barns, right, who was like, I'm just going to tear my barn down and make a bigger one. Yeah. And he was not rich towards God, and God said, hey, look, tonight your life is going to be demanded of you. And he was sitting there looking like, ah, oh, dang. No glory for me. No big old barns for me. I tore my barn down, and now we're whoa, it's all, all on me. Our thinking. Or 1 Samuel 27. Let's turn there. Let's read 1 Samuel 27 together. We focus our attention on David. In verse 1. It says, but David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hands of Saul. 
The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up and uh, give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hands. So David went off with the 600 men and did that whole thing. He left. It's funny because in the campus ministry, I love the campus ministry. I love serving the campus ministry. It is an absolute, um, it's a joy of mine and my wife to just serve the campus, to be around the campus. It's cool because when you're around the campus ministry, uh, you, you, you just pick up certain sayings. You pick up some things. And uh, this year it was funny because I gave this lesson actually a little bit early this year to the campus students. And uh, one of the things that we kind of focused on was he thought to himself. So, you know, someone will be explaining their story. They'll be saying, oh, man, this is what happened. And then they'll say, and then I thought about it. I was thinking, and it's like, so you thought to yourself, right? And David here, he was thinking to himself. He was like, and then he thought to himself. And, and there's some dangers to thinking, uh, thinking to yourself, all right? Not running it through certain people. I mean, you know, not, don't get me wrong. You don't got to run everything through people. But there are some things that you might want to run through people like you're about to take 600 people to another location. So he thought to himself, you know what, I'm just going to escape and I'm going to join the Philistines. Wait, David, didn't you like, I mean, if, if you would, let's just run this dialogue through me and David. All right, me and David. David, hey, Greg, so what do you think? I'm about to go to the Philistines. Hey, wait, di- didn't you kill like their like champion like a long time ago? Didn't, didn't you like attack their, didn't you, I don't know, you think you should go over there? Yeah, man, but escape Saul. But dude, like, you, you, you're going to go to the Philistines though. You get what I'm saying? Like the guy was like, he was just thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go to the Philistines. I'm going to go over there. And I'm going to work for them. Not thinking that the Philistines are at war with the Israelites, his people. So what does, that, what does that entail? Well, now he has to kill his own people. And that's what happens in the next couple of chapters. He starts killing his own people. He starts waging war against Israel. And he's one of the generals in the, in the Philistine army. Crazy time for David's life. But, it, but if you think about it, it's, it's just fear. It's this sense of fear. It's like, man, I don't know what to really do. And I, I, I don't want to die, and I don't know what to do. And, and Satan is just attacking his thinking. Go to the Philistines. Do this. Why? Because Satan's goal is to always destroy God's people at every turn. He wants to destroy God's people. He wants to destroy you. You think he's your friend. He, you think he's going to give you life. Not today he ain't. He ain't giving you jack. He wants you dead he doesn't want you alive. He doesn't want you close to God. And he doesn't want you connecting to other people. So he attacks your thinking the thinking that, you know what, just think to yourself. Keep this all between me and you. Satan will attack our thinking. He also attacks our glory. 1 Samuel 15, verse 12. It's all going to make sense in a minute. This is not a contradictory, guys. You guys are like, what the heck? What is this? In verse 12, it says, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. So Satan will attack you by taking your own glory. Saying, you know what, you should take your own glory. It's yours, take it. Build a, build, build a monument in your name. Build a statue, which in, in all of Israel's time, you should never build a statue, especially one of yourself. I mean, the guy is just like, you know, got a statue of himself, rose it up, and he's out there doing his own thing. And Samuel's like, what is this guy thinking? 
But that's the deal. It's like, you know, you take it yourself. It's all yours. He says, look, look how he says, look at me. I want you guys to see how effective I am. I want you guys to see that I am the most effective. I want you to envy me. I want you to look at this and say, man, I'm just so great. I want you guys to bow to what I just made, what I just done. Funny story. You know, when I was in campus, I've only really been in campus and married. I haven't really been in the marriage. I've always been in campus. Um, but when I was in campus, or as I was in campus, uh, when I was about 19 years old, or, you know, 18. I was 18 years old, my first year in campus ministry, all right? And I had an incredible amount of roommates that just all, you know, we all just loved each other. I tell you guys these stories about these guys all the time. Uh, we love each other a ton, even now. And, uh, but it was really crazy because uh, as a freshman, uh, I was put in charge of leading uh, Long Beach City College. And I was like, oh, dude, like, I love this school. I love, like, being here. I love being there. And, you know, I met a lot of great friends who are still here today, um, you know, and, and it was just a really cool time. And so, uh, but, you know, as the, the fall went through and the spring went through, we had a lot of victories. People were getting baptized. We were having Bible talks in the Dietrich's home. You know, we were doing a lot of stuff that year. And I was like, you know what? I want to be an intern. So I, I was like, you know, I, you know, I'm going to be the first freshman intern. Yeah, ever. Let's do it. I'm going to go for it. So, you know, I shot for the goal. I, I, I fill up the application. Steve Stevenson, my minister at the time, he was saying, Greg, you should fill out the application. I'm like, all right, so we got it. I'm going to do it. He told me to fill it out. So, you know, I filled it out. I turned it in. And then we used to do it in a crazy way. We got the whole campus together. And then he was saying, all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know who are the interns. And I was like, oh, hold on. Let, let, let me make my – I got, I got to prepare myself because I'm, I'm about to get this. I'm going to get the internship. Let me prepare my face a little bit so I just look super surprised. You know, let me just, let me get my, my speech ready for everybody. All right, let's get it. Let's get it. He starts, t- you know, naming up the names like DK. And I was like, not that DK, another DK. I'm like, what the heck? Okay, all right. So, yeah, you know, I can't be the first one. I'm a freshman. I can't be the first one to be called. I got to be the last one to be called. And then he named Don and Davi and all these other people or whatever. And I'm like, okay, all right. So, you know, he has to name me. I'm next. And then the last person, he was like, last person, Derek Hinton. And I was like, what? You know, I, like, I, I, was, I was so upset. I was like, wait a second. So wait, maybe there'll be seven. Maybe there'll be seven interns this year. Yeah, seven. There has to be. And then he was like, that's it, guys. All right, interns report to my house or whatever. I'm like, what? What is this? This isn't fair. I just felt this attack on my own glory because I knew I wanted it. I was like, I wanted that internship more than anyone. What is this? So then we had the leaders meeting at my house. So all the leaders came to my house, and I'm sitting there cleaning my house, and I'm like, rock them, smack them. I'm just mad. I'm, I'm upset, guys. You guys got you guys to gotta, you guys gotta feel it with me. I was upset, guys. And Steve, he comes, and, you know, Steve was really good at trying to teach me the lessons of humility. So he comes by, and he looks at me, and he says, are you about to cry? And I was like, what? No, I'm vacuuming. You know, I'm just kind of like. He's like, you look, you look sad, man. What's wrong? And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, you told me to fill out this application for my internship, and I didn't even get it. Rock him, smack him. And I was like, nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all. And he was like, you're mad because you didn't get the internship, huh? And I was like, what is this? Why are you going to call me out like that? You can't just, like, pretend like we did this didn't happen or something. You know, and so that whole thing happened. But the whole point of the story was that I was, I was attacked. And through the whole summer, I was just like, I set myself up against Derek. He then put Derek on Long Beach City College campus. The guy was from Cal State Long Beach. If you guys don't know campus, we kind of do three different campuses. 
So he brought him to Long Beach City College, and then, so we had to partner together. And then he discipled me for the summer, so I was like, this is just not happening. <laughs> so I was just sitting there, and then our first D time, Derek is like the most humble, most loving guy in the world. You ever meet him? He's so humble. And so I'm, I'm like, man, I can't believe this is happening. And he's like, hey, man, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask you questions and see what you, and he started to kind of get my input, and he got me on board. And we became best friends from there. But the whole point, it was just crazy because I was sitting there, and I literally was going under the attack. My heart was feeling it. And I know that you guys might be feeling this too. You might be at work, and you might be going up for promotion, and you're trying to get, the, get that more money. You're trying to get it. Or you at school, and you're trying to get, be on the cheerleading squad or the football squad or basketball or whatever. And you're sitting there, and you just didn't get it. And Satan comes in like right there for the interception like, wow, hey, man, they don't love you. Look at that. You didn't even get picked. What's up with that? And, and right, like immediately, right? Immediately you get attacked. He will try to come at you and take it. Take your humility, snatch it away and say, you know what? These people don't care. But we have to make sure that we're not wanting to be in the most prestigious spots. We got to make sure that we are, we are okay with being a janitor. With being wherever God puts us. As long as I am with God, I am fine. As long as I'm able to reflect the glory back to God in some capacity, I am doing just fine. We got to be okay with that. When we are not okay with that, everything starts to spiral. I mean, it's the same thing that happened to Satan, right? The exact same thing that happened to Satan. He also attacks our desires. James chapter 1, verse 15. Mm-mm. Don't play me. Don't be trying to arouse me. Get me all, get me all jacked up. In verse 15. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I mean, this is true, right? You have a desire you want something, you covet something, so you steal for it. Or you kill, or you do whatever you want. And that's just kind of who we are. When we start to, when we give ourselves over to our desires, sin. We start getting sneaky. We start lying, being deceitful, going around corners, cutting corners. And it's Satan just attacking your desires. You can have it. You just can't have it the way God said you can have it, but you can have it. You can't have a family the way God said you can have it, but you can have it this way. You can't have this Christmas present, but you can have this one this way. If you steal it, you can have it. I mean, when we look at it, when we try to look at, at all these things put together, I mean, Eve, in the very beginning, she wanted the fruit. Samson wanted Delilah. Solomon wanted 700 wives. Satan wanted glory. Esau wanted a bowl of porridge. Judas wanted money. I mean, guys, all throughout the scriptures, and every so often a, a, a different passage you look at it, and you start looking at what happened to this person. They desired something that they couldn't have, or they desired something that God wasn't giving them yet, and they went in and took it. David, he desired Bathsheba. What happened? He killed one of his mighty men to have her. He killed one of his own mighty men to have Bathsheba. And he did it in the most sly way. 
Nathan called him straight out, but he did it. He said, hey, how about you go to the front lines? Go to the front lines. Bring my glory. You know, he, he goes to the front lines. He, he dresses it up. I'm doing you a favor. And the guy dies on the front line and takes his wife. Waits a little bit. He didn't take her immediately. He waited for the time of mourning to pass, and then he took her afterwards. I mean, we, we, we can be this way in secret when no one's watching. We're killing it when no one's watching. We are wanting the glory when no one else is watching. This is what we struggle with. This is human nature at, at odds in the battle. We have to desire God. That's what we have to desire. Satan will attack you and say, no, you can desire other things as well. Last one, he also attacks our significance or our need for significance, our need to be seen as, as great. You ever been in a room where everyone got lifted up and you didn't? <laughs> You're like, uh, that just happened. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. You get into a room and they say, man, and you're, maybe you're at a baptism and someone's sharing about all these other people that have been in their lives. And then this random person gets in and you don't get in at all, but you were there from the start. And you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Or you're around the table, someone's praying. It's like, they're, you know, they're just praying off their heart. And they just say everybody else's name and they just forget yours. And you're like, and you're sitting there like, are you serious? You gonna do me like that? And you get all mad, you get all mad and rattled up because someone didn't say your name. Why? Because you wanted the glory. You wanted the glory. Let's be real. You wanted it. You wanted to see what it tastes like. You go and you work, you do all this stuff, and you say, Man, I, guys, I'm just doing I, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing it for God. And then God tests your heart. Someone forgets your name. They didn't write your name on a paper. They didn't show you. They didn't give you your significance. And what do you do? The first thing you do, Rackham Schmackham, can't believe it. Can't believe this. Rackham Schmackham. And you get all razzle frazzle. Satan will attack that. He's coming after it. He's like, I'm like, oh, I got you. I got you. I always imagine Satan that way. I don't ever imagine Satan being like, oh, cool and fly. He's like, ah, I got you. Get you. Come on over here. I got you. <laughs> like, you know, I always imagine Satan doing something like that. But he'll always try to, he says, man, you know, your need for significance. He wants you to elevate yourself. He's like, man, like, elevate your thoughts. Ele- you have an elevated way of thinking. You're, you're so cool. You're so this. And you, you have an elevated way of your will and, and how you think of the Bible and all this stuff. You know, it, 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 and as, a, as a preacher, as I'm growing to be a preacher, I'm trying to really, you know, hone these skills that, you know, I don't know, stop talking about that. But anyways, as a preacher, you know, you, you preach a lesson, and you work so hard on your lesson. You go through lists and lists, you go through all of this stuff, and you try to put in these things, and guess what? Someone comes up to you, and they say, man, great job, great, great, or great job, Reuben, or great job, whoever, and, and they'll say, great job, and, and you know what they'll say? This part of your lesson really helped me. And it, had, and it wasn't even your lesson. I was like, I never said that. Amen. <laughs> you know, but you're, you're thinking like, I put in 400 hours in this one little, and you can't remember one line. 
that I said, I gave five, I gave five one-liners. You can't remember one. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm being honest with you guys. This is a family moment. I'm just being real, okay? You can feel that. Satan is coming. He's on the attack. He's trying to get you. You've got to be careful. You've got to watch out. Amen? He tries to, to attack our significance. We're not going to read that scripture because I don't got a lot of time. And so, so Satan, this is what happened to Satan. Let me just read you what happened to Satan right here, all right? This is a dialogue. You were in Eden. This is Ezekiel 28, 13 to 14. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and barley, 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 pearls. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherubim, for so I adorned you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherubim, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. This is Satan's backstory. This is why he's coming after you, because God has chosen you to do good work. God has chosen you to reflect his, his image, his glory. And Satan does not like that. He's looking at it and he's like, man, I was supposed to be that. He is envying, he is hating, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything God has created because of this moment. Let us not fall into the same place that Satan fell. Instead, let us hide ourselves in God's glory. In Psalms 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Exodus 33, 17 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. What an incredible dialogue here. He doesn't say, I will grant you. He says, look, I'll give you anything you ask for. God's telling him, look, I'm going to grant you anything you want. And Satan and, and, and Moses says, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. He doesn't say, make me more glorious. Give me this so I can be cooler. Give me this so I can be more epic. So I can have more control. Give me this so I can lead better. No, he says, okay, God, well, if you're going to give me one thing in the entire world, I just want to see your glory. We got we to adopt that same heart. I want to see your glory, God. Show me your glory versus make me glorious. In Colossians 3, verse 2, to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is not hidden with Christ, is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears. 
then you also will appear with him in glory. When do you get the glory moment? At the end of the road, at the end of it all. That glory moment comes when, he, when you appear with Christ. God's plan is that while we are on earth, we are hidden with Christ. And when we die, our glory will be that we are one with Christ. That's your glory. You were so in tune with, with Christ. That is when it will be revealed. We don't, we don't have to reveal it ourselves. We just got to trust God. In 2 Corinthians 10, I'm stripping some stuff here because we ain't got a lot of time. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. I mean, this is what happens among the, I mean, when, you, when you're around people, doesn't this happen? Well, you know, yeah, man, those shoes are tight, but look at these. These are fresh, you know, or wait, man, man, my car, I mean, your car is really nice, but dude, I like this other car. That's what I got. I got this car. It's really cool. Or, you know, you know, and, and there's just this sense of I am, I am kind of better than you just a little bit. Or are you better than me? If you are, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to get better than you. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're like, I, just want, I want this, I want that. And we start desiring things just so we can keep up with each other. But can you imagine a community of people that said, you know what? I'm going to worship fully. I'm going to spend less. I'm going to give more. I'm going to love all. Can you imagine a community that says, you know what? I'm just going to, we're just going to, as a, as a community, we're just going to reflect God. We're just going to give it all back to God. Can you imagine that community? Can you imagine a community where everybody starts working to help each other and giving to, to help please? I mean, this is first century church. This is Acts 2.42. But he says, man, we, don't even, we, don't, we do not even dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend them, themselves. We don't even want to be around them. Why? Because it's infectious. It's a disease. I don't want to be around people like that. We've got to make sure that we are, we are desiring what God desires. In Psalm 75, verse 6, it says, no, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. It's all God. That's not even our place to lift each other, to lift people up, to exalt people. It's God's place. And we must make sure that we are keeping God and letting God be God while we are praising God and worshiping him. Anyone that claims to make Jesus Lord must let him lead. It will not be what you think or want. It will not be your timing. And it won't make sense to you, but you must allow Jesus to lead life. If you want to claim to be a Christian, if that's your claim in life, if you go around saying, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, though, this has to classify who you are. That I, it, it's not my timing. It's not my thinking. It's not how I want to do everything, but it's Jesus. It's all him. That's who we must be. 
just going to keep pushing this. All right, oh, great. Oh, crap, I missed the last push. Back. All right, sweet. So, in, in closing, Philippians 2, verse 3. Let's turn there together. You know, all this circles around Jesus. The reason why Jesus came, the reason why Jesus is doing his thing on the cross, the reason why he died. This all circles around that. So we may have the opportunity to reflect God, to give God the glory, to be made clean so we can be a part of this royal priesthood that engages in worship together. In verse 3 it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in humility, man in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, 2016, I think we got to allow Jesus to be the one who authors our life, who tells the story, and we just need to be the ones that are humble enough to live it. Amen? Awesome. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.